1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot.
3: This whole thing started about 10 years ago in 2010. I was in the Navy at the time and stationed in Connecticut. The naval base I was stationed at had been built during World War II as a submarine base to combat German U boats. In the 50s it was retrofitted with Cold War-era bomb bunkers and underground tunnels that had been sealed off in the 90s after decades of disuse and maintenance neglect. Of course there were always the horror stories of that one seaman who stupidly wandered into the tunnels and got lost, never to be heard from again. Cue the X-Files theme. But these were just campfire stories. However on this particular base was a building named for Admiral English. This building was reputed to be majorly haunted. The night watchmen would see people in the building after it had been closed for the night and when they tried to pursue those people the watchmen would turn a corner to a dead end and find no one there. When the roving watch would check doors to secure areas that were meant to be locked only to find them unlocked. They'd call down their superiors to file the report on the door only for it to be locked. You'd be in the middle of your roving patrol and the, all the lights in the building would turn off. And on one specific occasion the stationary watchman at the door went a little wonky. He logged the long-dead Admiral English as being in the building in the official log book. He then turned to the painting of Admiral English that was hung on the quarterdeck and gouged the eyes of the painting out. He later claimed he did this because the painting wouldn't stop watching and whispering at him. He also logged in and out of the building various famous figures like Santa, Elvis, Vincent Price, and the Beatles. After testifying at Captain's Mass that the painting was trying to talk to him he was sent to mental health and deemed unfit to serve in the military, given a section 8 and sent home. I stood the night watch in that building a short while after the painting had been removed for repairs. Me and my watchmate heard people moving around the building a number of times but any time I went to investigate there was no one. I was supposed to be continuously roving and every time I came the stairwell I'd have to turn the lights back on. At one point the elevator in the building started itself for seemingly no reason. Fortunately I didn't see anything. At least that night I didn't. A couple weeks later, I was walking up an outdoor staircase on the base that connected the lower base to the upper base. This particular staircase was very long—think Mayan pyramid long. There were no turnoffs for this staircase once you were on it. Then you were on it until you reached the top or the bottom on one side of the staircase was an empty field of grass that sloped down a will you could see from the top to the bottom of and on the other was a three to four foot partitioning wall with a two foot tall double railing on top of it and beyond this partition was evergreen bushes growing so close together they basically formed an impenetrable hedge so there was nowhere to go that way and you could easily be seen going the other I was walking with a friend toward the galley up the stairs and in front of us a short ways up the stars was either a chief or an officer, we weren't really sure as we were seeing them from behind and they wear a similar khaki uniform. Except the particular person's uniform was odd. It looked old. Not worn out old but more like the way uniforms looked back in the World War II days. I turned to my friend to comment on this and glanced at me and agreed. Asking if maybe he was headed to some event that required an older uniform. We glanced back toward him and he was just gone. From the halfway point up the staircase he'd vanished. The only place he could have been hiding was in the bushes, but we'd have seen him climbing the dividing wall if he had I'm sure of it and why would he do so in the first place? That was the first time I saw something. Over the coming weeks I began to notice weird little things. Things that could be put down to absent-mindedness at first, like I'd find my keys moved from my desk to a shelf where I kept movies and have no recollection of putting them there. Then other things would happen I'd be watching a movie when suddenly my TV would turn off. I assumed there was a timer I accidentally managed to turn on but I couldn't find anything in the menu or manual about that. At one point I headed to the vending machines in the lobby for a late night snack leaving my door ajar, only to come back and find my door locked with the key card inside my barracks room. I assumed I messed up and accidentally pulled the door shut instead of leaving it open so I accepted the lecture I got from my superior for locking myself out only for him to discover the door was ajar. So he gave me a random inspection instead. At another point the key card to my door stopped reading. I went to get it recharged and they found that it'd been completely wiped of all data and they had to issue me a new one along with a warning to keep it away from magnets. I didn't have any magnets. A wristwatch I'd gotten for my birthday disappeared for three days and then one day I opened my wardrobe and there it was, front and center directly in my line of sight. On top of all the general weirdness I felt like I kept seeing things out of the corner of my eye but when I looked there would be nothing there. At the time I just assumed I was stressed and imagining things and that I needed a vacation. Luckily I was on my way out of the navy. I moved back home to the old farmhouse my great grandfather had built. The first night I was there I went to bed at my usual time of around 11 pm only to jolt awake from a deep sleep at around 2 am and suddenly be wide awake and not able to get back to sleep until near 5. This quickly became a regular occurrence unfortunately. So much so that I started to play video games or surf the web for a couple hours whenever I'd suddenly wake up at 2 AM and then this weird reoccurring dream started. In the dream I'm living in some old Victorian style plantation home with a wife and two kids. I'm walking through the back gate where I see my kids playing in the backyard. I walk into the back door into the plantation style kitchen that's been modernized I walk into a laundry or pantry room off the kitchen and look out the back window at my kids only to see a third kid, a girl in turn of the century dress walking toward the kitchen door, and as I watch she disappears. I go to find my wife who seems to be upstairs somewhere. I call up the stairs at her but get no response. I turn back toward the kitchen and they're less than two inches from my face is the face of the ghost girl. I startle and scream backing away from her until I find myself cornered on an old table in the wall. The girl stares at me as she approaches, getting right in my face. I try to look away in shame as this overwhelming sense of guilt washes over me. Then she opens her mouth to speak and as I look toward her to hear what she has to say. I wake up. Every time. I have had this dream many times in the preceding years and I've never actually heard what she has to say. So I'm having this weird dream and I'm waking up in the dead of night, and I mean from a sleep so deep the dead would be jealous to not even groggy awake in an instant. And I'm still experiencing the shadows. As well I've started experiencing this weird thing where I'll be playing video games and I'll feel this human presence behind me watching and occasionally I swear I could hear breathing but then when I turn to look. Nothing. I assumed I was just having some sort of emotional trouble acclimating to civilian life again, but that's when I started to find bruises and scratches I don't know how I got. I'd wake up and there's be a massive bruise on my forearm that wasn't there when I went to sleep and little things were going missing, my tools were disappearing, I somehow went through four pair of sunglasses in less than a month, my expensive canvas paint brushes started to vanish, and I had to replace my house keys twice in that same month. I went to a doctor, told him I was having bouts of sleeplessness, kept losing things, nightmares, and waking up covered in bruises and scratches. He told me I was developing maintenance insomnia likely due to the stress of not being in the military anymore and suggested I turn my alarm clock away from me and walk more. These things helped but not much. And he couldn't explain the random injuries, so not a lot of help. Then one night I just couldn't seem to stay awake so I hit the rack at like 9 at night. Woke up at 1 am to the smell of smoke. I opened the door to my bedroom only to be met with a wall of smoke and an orange haze. I quickly covered my mouth and started finding my way out of the house. I made my way to the nearest exit and when I turned around I could see the entire front room of the house was completely engulfed in flames. The fire inspector came out and couldn't find any natural means of the fire starting and so suspected arson. But they also couldn't find an artificial ignition point either. It just seemed to have happened, started from nothing and just happened from nothing. There was also a bunch of weird stuff about the fire. The fire burned so hot it melted a fireproof safe but then my art portfolio was untouched. My TV and Xbox were melted beyond recognition but the Bible my father gave me for my 18th birthday was fine. It was truly bizarre. After that I moved into town. With my parents. They were living in this little house and it was weird because the house was full of windows and well light but somehow still seemed full of shadows. Something my mother noticed. We sat down one day and discussed how we both kept seeing shadows moving in our peripheral vision. She told me that since I moved in she kept finding her wedding ring in weird places. She would leave it on her bedside table only to find it in the dining room for example. There were other weird things too, Like my folks would leave for the night and I'd be in my room on my computer and start hearing doors slamming closed, only to investigate the noise and find nothing but open doors, even the doors that were usually closed such as M parents door or the door to the laundry room. These events kept happening and getting worse. At one point I was chatting with a navy friend only to hear all this banging and absolute ruckus from the kitchen. Thinking my parents' dog was into something I went to clean up his mess only to find that he was cowering behind my dad's armchair and every pot and pan in the house to scattered across the kitchen floor. In another instance M folks were out and M brother came over to watch Monday Night Football. We were sitting there talking about how the Lions were never gonna make it to the Super Bowl if Stafford didn't learn to perform under pressure. I had the dog sleeping on the couch next to me and my brother was in my dad's chair. He got up to get a beer from the fridge and made it around his side of the couch when we heard a huge bang, like a bomb going off, from upstairs. We went rushing up there only to discover what few personal items I had left after the fire had been thrown around the room. Google had been pulled upon my laptop and a bunch of random characters had been typed into the search bar and my mattress and bedding looked like it had been chucked across the room in a fit of rage. And this is when I started to think it could actually be a haunting. There were other witnesses now and there's no way I forgot that I ransacked my own bedroom. I wasn't imagining things, or hearing things. This was happening somehow. A couple days later I fell asleep reading up on ghosts, hauntings, and common occurrences that happened during a haunting. I awoke in the middle of the night and turned toward my beside table to turn off the light only to see an older woman in a high-color black Victorian-era dress standing at the foot of my bed. I stared at her for a moment and could only think to ask, who are you? She just shushed me in response. At that point I was overwhelmed by a sense of well-being and contentedness, like being wrapped in a warm hug and I got the impression I should just go back to sleep. So I laid back down noticed that the old lady seemed to be floating as it didn't look like she had any legs, and started to fall back to sleep. All of a sudden the reality of what I was seeing hit me and I bolted up in bed and the room was empty. To this day I don't if that was real, a dream, or what, but I can tell you this. I didn't sleep a wink more that night, and I started to question my own sanity. Shortly after my parents asked if I could stay living with them as they found it useful to have me around doing some of the chores they were simply getting too old to do, such as shoveling snow from the walkway. I agreed and so it was decided we needed a bigger space to live. Things settled down significantly at the new house, though I was still having the insomnia, the dream about the ghost girl, Waking up with minor injuries out of nowhere that at this point became so commonplace I started wearing hoodies everywhere to hide them, and there was one new thing. The furnace in the new house kept breaking down we'd call in a repair guy who'd shut it down, look at it, find nothing wrong with it, and start it back up just to find it works perfectly. So that was odd. Unfortunately the landlord mortgaged the house and wasn't paying the monthly installments so it was foreclosed on. We moved to another house where the insomnia finally stopped and while I still had the dream I had it less, and the injuries lessened as well. There were a few instances where weird noises would be heard or the dog would bark at a nothing in the hallway. The worst thing that happened there was every now and then I'd get a stomach cramp, it's last between 20 minutes to an hour at the most. This was weird because I hadn't changed my exercise routine at all, or my dietary habits, or any brands that I'd normally eat. And then one day it was my day off of work any my girlfriend at the time was working, I was all caught up on my chores and had nothing to do so I was playing God of War, Ascension. The trial of Archimedes. And I started to get another stomach cramp. Except this one didn't go away like all the others. In fact it lasted about a week. I finally broke down and went to the doctors and they couldn't find a reason for it at all. I went home struggled to fall asleep and when I woke up the pain was gone. The owner of the house we were living in at that point decided to retire from being a landlord and sell so my parents again moved this time to a much smaller house where we noticed a lot more weird stuff. We kept finding doors open. We'd wake up in the morning to find the TV on, this one actually did have a timer in it so even if we did forget to turn it off it would turn itself off after about 4 hours and we were still finding it on in the morning. The chairs around the dining room table we never actually used always seemed to be pulled out and the light in the kitchen was always turning itself off when you were cooking, and you always seemed to have the feeling of being watched. Luckily we didn't live there long as along with the supernatural weirdness we also lived in a bad neighborhood and the constant flashing lights convinced my parents to just buy a house. At this point in 2017 I visited Europe for 3 months with my at this point fiancé and nothing happened. No dreams. No bruises and scratches. No anything for those entire 3 months. It was awesome. While I was in Europe my folks moved into their new house and when I got back I went to the new house. Nothing happened the entire time I was in that house thankfully and I began to hope that whatever had been plaguing me for all those years had finally got left behind somehow. My fiancé and I married later that same year and we decided to live in Europe where my now wife owned an apartment that she had inherited from her recently deceased mother. We figured with no mortgage or rent payments it'd be a nice head start. And that's when things started up again. I'll be sitting in the living room and I'll see a shadow walk by the door to the room. At one point the only ones home were me and our toddler, my wife was at the gym, my toddler was napping, and I was on Reddit when I saw the shadow walk across the door. I immediately thought, who is in the apartment? And got up to investigate. Only to find no one. My wedding ring disappeared off my desk while I was in the shower one day. I never found it and it never turned back up. I had to get a new one. Various rooms in the apartment constantly feel frigid. Even in the height of summer, and those pesky doors keep slamming themselves closed even if they weren't open to begin with. And to top it all off I find myself discovering weird scratches I can't explain on my legs again. I've started having the dream about the ghost girl again. And to top it all off recently I began having this weird thing where I can't seem to wake up. I'll go to be at 10.30 at night and not be able to wake up until almost noon the next day. I sleep through my alarm, my wife's alarm, my toddler fussing through the baby monitor, and really anything. Which has never been a problem before. At this point I'm convinced that I somehow attracted something into my life that's been following me around for a decade something that took the guise of the old-timey sailor, the -the turn-of-the-century ghost girl, and the Victorian matriarch to prevent me from seeing its true self. A thought that horrifies me. If there's anybody out there who knows more about hauntings than I do let me know what you think it is, how I could get rid of it, and what I should do to protect my loved ones. Our account is true, and this is what my husband and I saw, and what we experienced while on a belated honeymoon or Christmas getaway. And no, this did not deter us from the future plans we were making to move to this part of the country at all, not even a little bit. Actually, it gave us even more of a reason to relocate and live here as you will soon understand. My husband and I were orphans. It was crazy to meet someone like him, who was, well, like me. From an adopted home. We met at school after my parents relocated to the Bay Area. Come to find out a week later, we would also attend the same church. Yes, my parents are my loving awesome parents, and they have raised a pretty well-rounded daughter I believe. Did great in school, leads a home bible study to this day, and ended up with a degree in marketing. My husband ended up in a very loving home as well his parents were also believers who loved him and gave him every advantage some orphaned children never get to experience. So, because of that, he became an organizer for a large Christian outreach program for orphaned children around the world. It keeps him at home, but from time to time is does have to leave for a few days or so at a time. Thus the reason for a belated honeymoon. As I said, we both had a lot in common, faith, fun, music, movies, and a love for the great outdoors. We loved the Pacific Northwest especially. It was this love for the outdoors that led us to an unexpected run-in with this animal, or creature called Bigfoot. It was Christmas time nearly a decade ago. We had been married almost a year at that time, we opted for a December wedding because we were winter freaks I suppose, and I did not want to wait any longer. Besides, Christmas and anniversaries sounded great together. He had to be gone for a few days right after our wedding, so we promised each other a belated honeymoon and a Christmas in the Pacific Northwest, preferably Oregon, Central Oregon. That brings me to our encounter, something rather frightening, but interesting all at the same time. And, yes, it gave us a Christmas and belated honeymoon we will never forget. Central Oregon it was. Lake Odell to be exact, our one year anniversary, and the honeymoon we missed, and Christmas that year would be spent there. Our parents would meet us up there right before Christmas Eve, but we would be there for a whole week before, and a few days after Christmas. We wanted at least 10 days of just enjoying each other, and God's green earth together, well, it turned out to be a white earth with all the snow. That was fine by us, as a matter of fact. We were into sledding and even cross-country skiing. So, with everything packed, including skis, we set off for a long drive. What I do know for a fact was that this thing was slightly bent down to look through the window itself. It took us hours upon hours to get there, but, by nightfall, we made it, all safe and sound. I have to say, it was even more beautiful than I expected, even as the sun was almost gone and I could only see so far. I could make the outline of the surrounding mountains, the lake that looked to have frozen edges, and some lights from a couple cabins that must be in use nearby. There were not a lot of cabin lights I noticed, just a couple from what I could tell, but then again, there were so many trees everywhere so who could tell if there were more anyway. Our cabin was just out of sight of the lodge, yet within the shelter cove section. Within a couple minutes, we made it to the cabin. We were exhausted and decided to just unpack real quick and turn in for the night. Of course, we could not sleep just yet, so we grabbed some hot tea and enjoyed the warmth of the fireplace. The first night was quiet and uneventful, it was not until the next day that some odd occurrences and weird things would be noticed and experienced. I was up first the next morning. I grabbed a few things we forgot out of the car, got the skis off the rack, and leaned them up against the cabin on the front porch area. I decided to take a quick walk with a hot cup of coffee down by the edge of the lake about 50 feet from the cabin. As I came to the edge of the lake I noticed I was correct, the lake was frozen to about 20 or so feet out from the shoreline. I also noticed I was not the only visitor to this part of the lake, I noticed footprints. At first, it took me a few seconds to grasp what I was looking at, I even pulled my head up and looked around I remember wondering who in the world is running around this place barefoot? It was around 30 degrees out that morning I remember, clear skies, but 30 degrees. I did not notice if they were overly large at the time or not, all I could really make out was the front half of each foot. Trust me, it was frozen solid down by the lake, any impression at all would have to be from someone, or something very heavy. That was the weird part at the time that made me think for a minute. I looked around at my surroundings a bit, and then back down at the footprints that led along the edge of the lake towards the lodge thinking. It was a little odd I thought, but that was it, I just thought it was odd. I told my husband over breakfast and he, like me, agreed there must be one not so smart cookie up here this week. The rest of the day was spent having fun, of course, it was midweek. So the crowd was sparse at best, which was fine by us. I have to say, the couple running the resort were awesome folks. We had told them about this being our belated honeymoon and our real first Christmas together. With that, they brought us a Christmas tree and some ornaments for it. It was a sweet gesture we took full advantage of that second night. We trimmed the tree, ate dinner, and decided to take a walk down by the lake right before dark. We walked along the shore away from the lodge, in a northeasterly direction. It was then that we thought we heard a whistle coming from the woods above us. It whistled a second time and you could not mistake it, someone was whistling in the woods. My husband thought nothing of it only mentioning it was probably just a person passing by. As we walked, the whistles kept coming, not constantly, but every few minutes or so. Back in the cabin once again, we turned in for the night. The next morning, as usual, I was up before my husband not wasting one minute up there. I filled up my coffee cup and headed out the door for a walk along the lake while my husband slept. As I barely got past where we parked the car I noticed footprints in the snow again. This time I knew they were fresh, I was out here yesterday and would've noticed them. These, however, were rather large I noticed, and the length between them, the stride, was rather long. I would wait until my husband woke up to show him, and I continued with my walk. This time, that morning, I did feel a little off while on my walk. I felt like I was being watched. My husband, being the sweetheart he is, called over to the lodge to let them know what we found. It was a husband and wife team by chance that ran the place back then, and the husband came over to check it out. He joked about it, but he did mention Bigfoot. We all laughed at it, of course, but he did say that there had, over time, been reports of sightings of the creature around the area. But, he reassured us he had never seen one, and personally did not believe they even existed. To this day I believe he was telling us the truth, I think he never heard anything or noticed anything while he, and they, were there. We all shook it off to be somebody messing around, but who it was could not be anyone staying there at the time, the other couples were older folks for the most part. Either way, he said he would keep an extra eye out, and that we should too. It was my husband who woke me up in the middle of the night two days later. He was wide-eyed and fully awake. No, he was not frightened or scared at all, but he was fully alert and dragged me out of bed, and over to the window in the kitchen. He propped open the window just a bit. The cold night breeze almost hurt to tell you the truth, but he insisted I stand still and listen. Howling, but not a dog type of howl, more like a deep almost screaming howl coming from the mountains behind the cabin. Later, a month later listening to some recordings I would find online, I can honestly tell you it was a Bigfoot howling that night, besides, and not just because we would see it. The sounds were freaky and in a weird, chilling kind of way. After a few minutes, and at the behest of me to shut the window, my husband reluctantly did so. We chatted again for a bit about it before we both fell back to sleep. Mine and my husband's parents would be there in just a few days to spend the last four days with us. Of course, they would all be in the cabin next to us, well, not right next to us, it was about 40 to 50 feet away from ours. The footprints and now the howling were making me feel a little uncomfortable. Not for my safety or anything like that really, looking back now I do, but then it was just feeling uncomfortable with my parents being there to experience these weird little things. At that time, we were about to spring it on our folks that we would, within a year, be moving to Central Oregon. I wanted nothing to make them feel any more worried about, including Bigfoot. Well. As far fetched as Bigfoot seemed to me at that moment, it could be a little bit of an issue. The rest of that day I decided to let it go, I put Bigfoot out of my mind and started focusing on getting things ready and getting some skiing in with my husband. There were no more weird feelings of being watched or howling for a night or two after that night. However, the footprints were still being found all over the place, and some came pretty close to the cabin, our cabin. The parents would be there the next day, the day after my husband and I realized how real these things, this Bigfoot species are. Christmas Eve Eve, it was the weekend, and we decided to get some cross-country skiing in. It was a clear day, the snow had stopped, and clear skies were to be the weather pattern for the next few days to come. No creepy feelings came that day I remember, but, then again, There were a lot of people enjoying the snow that whole weekend, especially the last day of the weekend. Like many animals, maybe being a little fearful and weary of humans runs deep with this species as well. Some of the stories I hear seem to fly in the face of that belief, but when you see these things and know they are there, well, I think they would rather not be involved with people, for the most part at least. But, back to the day. It was great, all of it. I was having a great Christmas vacation and honeymoon, and telling you the truth, a part of me was a little thrilled with the footprints and howling going on, it made it just that much more exciting to a point. However, excitement would turn into less excitement and more of a cautious interest, and massive shock at first too. We had eaten dinner I made some cookies earlier for dessert, and some hot cocoa with peppermint, I always add peppermint to my cocoa. We were wrapping gifts for our parents when I noticed some movement near the kitchen window. Mind you, the kitchen window was rather high off the ground and larger than you expect for a rental cabin in the woods. Whatever it was, I could not see the street light down the way toward the lodge I could usually see through the window, whatever it was, was blocking it. As I looked out the window, it only took seconds and then all of a sudden, well, I felt a sense of shock go right through me. I grabbed my husband's arm tightly I remember, he even made a sound it was so hard. He followed my gaze at that moment out the kitchen window. I have seen films of Bigfoot since then, and I have to say, there was a film of one walking through the forest in the Sierra I believe by a forest service guy, that was it, except I could see the face and the upper torso, well, I think most of the upper torso. What I do. know for a fact is that this thing was slightly bent down to look through the window itself. Its face was not human, but it did have a human likeness to it. The report of an ape-like nose I can understand, however, it was not smashed down like a great ape, you could see a sort of rounded nose that was longer than it was smashed. The face was long, and the eyes were huge, but had a ton of wrinkles around them, between the red eye shine and the wrinkles that is what made this thing look truly scary. Its mouth was huge, and I could even see some of the teeth between the large lips. The skin was dark grey, not grey, but a darker grey like a real dark stormy sky before a bad storm. It had no ears sticking out, and the hair seemed to be a dark brown, at least it looked like it. The eyes were huge, it just looked scary. There was little hair between the nose and lower forehead area. We got a good look at this thing. It was wrinkly too, very wrinkly. It looked at us as though it was curious, but frustrated all at the same time. Or, perhaps it was just frustrated and wanted to eat us, I don't know, I don't think anyone is in the heads of these things yet. It blinked once then turned and walked off. We immediately jumped up, locked the front door and shut off the lights. We had no gun at the time so we were rather frightened for our own safety because of that fact. We stood there for about another 3-4 to four minutes just staring out the window, talking about what we saw. While in the middle of talking, or whispering more like it, that creature, that Bigfoot thing came back into view, except closer to the tree line about 30 yards from the cabin. It was tall but, compared to me, anything was tall compared to me though as I am all of 5 foot 6 inches. But this thing, well, it had to be at least 8 feet tall. My husband, the next morning would say it around 7 to 7, 1 or 2 feet tall when he compared it to the tree it was next to. It was standing near a large pine tree, a Douglas fir if I remember correctly. It was visible because of the street light near the lodge, casting a backlight on it. I could not make out the face anymore, but it was tall, had long arms, and seemed to have a slight bend at the hips as it walked away. It had a funny looking gait. When people say it steps one foot in front of the other, it does, and I don't think it can help the way the shape of the body looked. Hopefully, those of you who have seen this thing can understand what I mean. We immediately called over to the lodge waking up the managers. The husband came out on a ski machine about 20 minutes later, and he too was surprised at the footprints, their shape, size, and the fact that they looked close to human footprints. However, he noticed that the big toe was off too far to the side to be human unless the human happened to be a giant person with deformed feet. While we wanted to laugh at the comment to keep our spirits up, we all just looked around and parted ways quickly heading back inside. It was late, it was just after midnight by that point and the parents would be there that day. While we eventually did fall asleep, It was not until after a cup of tea and some time to process what we had seen. In the meadow, we built an abominable snowman. Scary, but, with all the people out and about up here during the holiday week, I felt more, well, lucky to have seen what I saw the night before than anything. However, I was still a little freaked out. I guess I felt that way because I was in what I felt to be a safer environment at the time, some people are not when they have an encounter. We kept close to the resort as we walked around a bit that next day, but most of the time was spent getting things ready for the parents' arrival. Of course, a bit after they arrived, we told our parents what we experienced that night over dinner, and they did believe us. So much so, that my mom wandered around a little nervous I could tell the next few days. We also told them that we were relocating to Central Oregon to the Bend area to be exact. They were a little sad at the news, but they joked that I could do some research on the ape-like creature we saw in our cabin window. I am a part of a local Bigfoot research team today, not the popular one you hear about, just a local organization. And as I said above, we are still searching, and still seeking evidence. We did move to Bend, and yes, while out enjoying the wilds of Central Oregon, my husband, and our new little addition, our son, we still wonder about and look for more evidence of the Bigfoot we saw at Odell Lake that Christmas. When I was 17 in 1983 me and four friends were driving on River Road to the Elkridge Drive-In on moving night which is the day before Halloween, dark night. The road is very winding along the Patapsco River. I was in the back seat when I saw a glow through the woods. I said, what is that? We all looked and kept driving, not knowing that the road was taking us to it. As we got around a few more bends, the glow was right in front of us. Rich slowed to about 5 miles per hour, you can't go over 20 miles per hour due to narrow bends, someone yelled, put the windows up. All tough guys a minute ago. LOL. We got right to her floating on the side of the road, in a gown or prom dress. I yelled, look, she's floating. My friend in front yelled, her eyes, she doesn't have any eyes. My hair stands up telling this. Everyone yelled, go, go. He sped the car up. My cousin looked at me and said, look behind us, see if she is still there. I said, no. Because I could see her in the corner of my eye. She was floating right at the back of the car, around every sharp turn. It's like an inner voice told me, if I look back at her, we will crash into one of the trees. On a high embankment, I think he saw her too. That's why he didn't turn around either. No one in the car did. Her story is a long time ago. She and her boyfriend were on their way to prom. They argued. She got out of the car and laid down on the road, blocking him from going when a car sped around the bend and ran over top of her. The pressure blew her eyes out of her head. I'll never forget the blackness of her sockets as she floated on the side of the road, right at that same bend in the road. My one friend who was up front would never talk about it. If one of us brought it up, he would get mad and go home. He was that scared. That's how we found out, talking in a bar, when an old guy asked, You guys talking about the prom girl on River Road. Yeah, I saw her too on Halloween. I almost fell down because we never said what night it was, that we saw her and we saw her the night before Halloween. Then he told us that other ghosts were on that road. A man hung himself from a tree over the lake or swamp and a car crash killed a group of young people speeding around a bend. That's when we all looked at each other and I had to sit down, thinking I wonder if they saw her too, sped off and turned to look at her again, like my inner voice said not to, or else, and they crashed. Scary. I'm from South Florida and my mom, her brother, and two uncles swear by this story, one of my uncles doesn't even like talking about it. So here it goes. My mom was a freshman in high school and living in Jupiter Farms, Florida. My grandma had to work that day and asked her two brothers to come to watch my mom and uncle. My uncle was about four years younger and had Down syndrome so the extra help was needed. For dinner, my mom's uncles were grilling on the porch when they heard a horrible noise in the distance. They were never able to describe this noise other than saying it was not human and not animal. My mom had two dogs who immediately took off barking and running in the direction of the sound. A few seconds later they were running back to my mom's house in fear. My mom said everyone looked in the direction the dogs had just come from and saw this massive being coming from the woods. They said it was about 7 feet tall and as wide as a door frame. They immediately went inside and locked all of the doors, grabbed the guns, turned the lights off, and sat together in the living room. My uncle, who has Down syndrome, was visibly shaken and upset. My mom went to get a board game from her room to help calm him down and while she was in her room she decided to peek out of her window to see if the creature was still there. She says that when opened the window the creature was standing directly in front of the window, staring in. My mom says she screamed bloody murder and my uncles came running in and were frozen in shock or fear. One of them yanked my mom by the arm and they slammed the door behind them and huddled in the living room. My grandma came home from work a few hours later to them all crouching together in the living room. It's been over 20 years since this happened and my mom and her uncle swear by this story. My mom says to this day that she'll never forget the face of Bigfoot and will get really upset when people tell her she's lying. She says she knows it's crazy and she didn't believe in it either but she saw it and there's no denying that. One time my dad was dropping my mom off at home after a date and as they were talking outside her house, a row of trees began shaking violently as if someone was tearing them down. My mom immediately ran inside and my dad took off to his car. Morris County, New Jersey. In early 2022, my friends and I were sitting in my car. The three of us had decided to pull over and chat as it was late on a weeknight and we had nothing to do but eat our Wendy's and enjoy each other's company. It's important to note that my car was not on, my lights were not on, and my radio was not on, nor were any of the windows open. Suddenly, a deer appeared, almost out of thin air. I had been looking in that direction the entire time and the pond the deer appeared next to was very well lit. My immediate thought upon seeing the deer was Skinwalker. Get out! Of course, it might not have even been one, but even just seeing the deer I panicked. I had never been afraid of deer before and before this moment, associated them with cherished moments I spent with my grandpa during childhood. I turned to my friends and told them, there's a deer, I think it's coming towards us, I said this before it even began to approach the car. The strange thing was, There was no reason for the deer to approach us at all. As I said earlier, we were not a disturbance and the deer we spotted was alone. More importantly, it was a male deer with no females or babies within eyesight that it would need to protect. The deer walked about 20 to 30 feet and stood about 10 feet from my vehicle. At this point, my friends were spooked too. I noticed the deer had one missing antler and its eyes were odd and different. The eyes were forward set on its head and looking directly at us. It looked directly at me for around 30 seconds and got into a charging position. When we tried to drive away, it started charging at my car and even chased us until the parking lot ended and became the road. The strangest part was as we drove away, much farther down the road, there were three male deer, standing just behind the curb, in a domino-like formation. The third one in the sequence was missing the same antler as the deer we encountered earlier. They did not run into the street or off into the woods. They just stood there, staring us down. I wonder if something was keeping them in that park. I awoke one night in a state of which I can only explain as a spasm. My body was in a rigid state. I could not move a muscle and felt like something was on top of me. I fought to get movement back in my body. I could not turn my head or move at all. It was like I was having a fight to get control of my body. After a few panic-stricken moments, I could barely move my fingers, only a little bit. I then felt that there was more than just a spasm. I felt dirty and touched. It was a horrible feeling from deep inside me. I could barely move my toes again very slightly. My throat felt like it was being held. I could feel something was on top of me. My hands were by my side, but it felt like they were around my own throat, holding tightly. I was using all my might to break free from this spasmodic state. Then could feel something breathing into my left ear, the sound of a growl-like noise right next to my ear. I struggled to move my head to the left, like breaking free from a stranglehold. I could barely see the outline of a head, a big long head next to my own face. As the spasm-like feeling started to wear off, a tiny bit at a time, I could work out that this thing on top of me looked like a lizard or newt thing. It was like a blending together of all that was around it, or maybe invisible. I'm not very sure which, but I could see it clearly as the seconds passed. It was reptilian. I growled at it, or I think I did my mind and my body gave all it could to do so. I bared my teeth at it and I could feel it could read my mind. I was swearing at it and shouting all sorts of obscenities at it. I felt violated and used. The next thing, it was quickly off of me and was standing to one side of the bottom of my bunk bed. A light came through the thin gap in the curtains. There were different shades of golden light which also had very small particles inside it like dust or small stars that moved around like little bright lights. This reptilian creature was about six feet tall. I could sense it was either proud or happy with itself, maybe both. I tried to sit up as best I could and through my mind, I swore at it again. The creature walked forward and stepped into the light beam. As it did, the feet and legs vanished into the light. The more the creature moved forward towards the window, the more of it vanished. After it was gone I felt relaxed, but I could still feel where I was held around my throat. I felt I was assaulted by this horrendous monster. I awoke to a bright sunny day. I could hear my mother downstairs, washing up and doing housework. I lay in my bed and didn't move a muscle. I ran the incident through my mind again and, yes, I could still feel where I was held around my throat. I know this happened. My mind, heart and soul know that this happened. For the life of me, I could not run downstairs to explain to my mother about this. Who would have believed it? How would my parents have handled such a thing? I did not know what to do? Since that night, my stepfather passed away. I asked my mother if she believed in aliens or UFOs. She replied that my stepfather said once that he saw a UFO near Brighton while at sea in the 1960 and he swore that it was a UFO, but only told my mother this. I never told my mother about my experience, as I thought it would be too harrowing for her to hear. What do I do about my experience? I would love to do something about it. It may help somebody, as I am being very honest. Things like this should be disclosed. An answer has to be found on why this is happening. It was a Saturday night around 9 PM and no one was home. Everyone had gone out for dinner and I decided to stay home as I felt nauseous, 8 months pregnant, and exhausted after having worked 10 hours. I was in my kitchen rummaging through the fridge for a light snack when someone knocked on my front door. This surprised me because my family has keys, they would just open the door right away. Also in my neighborhood, you know not to open the door unless you're expecting company. The knocking continued. I decided to not answer and they would go away as one would do to solicitors or unwanted company. But, no, the knocking continued. Now irritated I go to the front door and look out the peephole to see a woman in her 50s just standing there staring down at my welcome mat. Seems harmless I think to myself and stupidly open the door but the screen door is still locked and standing in between her and I awkwardly she hasn't looked up and hasn't said a word, so I ask, can I help you? She stays quiet. Then without any emotion, more like in a monotone voice, she asks if she can use my phone. I said I didn't have one because 1 it didn't seem like an emergency and 2, people snatch phones and run in my city so I was paranoid. She asked again more forcibly to use my phone and then demanded by saying let me in and looked up at me. Her eyes are solid black and holds eye contact with me, almost smirking. I remember the stories I have read. All of the children. But here was this older lady with black eyes. The only way I can describe how she made me feel is that I felt threatened. I look away but quickly look back at her eyes, something about them draws you into them. I tell her, no. Then I demand that she leave and begin to slowly close the door but she practically screams let me in. Startled, I turn on the porch light hoping to scare her away. What she does next confuses me to this day. She can clearly see me now, looks down at my pregnant tummy turns around, and walks away. That's it, no looking back, no nothing. I was dumbfounded. That was three years ago and I have not seen her since. My child was born without incident. The mere presence of the black-eyed woman remains with me. One night I was outside and walking around my farm where I live alone when I saw a series of lights moving across the sky. At first, I thought nothing of it, but then one of the lights stopped moving and something dropped from it, like a pod or something. I freaked out and ran to my house and locked the door. Being a woman of only 35 years old I am easy to spook. The next morning I woke up with a figure sitting at the foot of my bed. The figure was reptilian like a lizard or something. It spoke English but had a deep hiss in his voice. It told me this. I mean you no harm warmling. I only seek to explore your world and its life forms. I am only a male scout and I am looking for samples. I asked, how are you talking to me? Where did you come from? His reply, you only hear the tongue you understand, but I cannot say too much. May I take a sample from your hair? My reply, I guess, but where did you come from and what are you? He went over to me and put his hand on my head, it felt very cold and scaly. Then he plucked a strand of hair from my head and put it in some sort of cylinder. After that, he told me. Thank you, my overlord will be pleased. Then he just vanished. My skin turned numb where he had touched me and I have had a cold ever since. I did not know how to feel about this encounter. I did not feel threatened but rather curious. The reptilian was lime green, stood maybe six feet tall, and looked muscular. He wore all black from his neck down and had some sort of belt line with gadgets of sorts. The face had a snout like a normal lizard and his eyes were large and purple. What was this thing and does it have anything to do with the lights I had seen before? Will he or any of his kind come back? The witness who for the past two to three months had been followed by three strange men wearing black suits, was standing in front of his house one night when a car drove up and the door opened. The witness apparently lost his will and was compelled to enter the vehicle. Inside the same three men he had been trying to hide from met him. They drove around for a while until they reached a wooded area outside the city. They stopped the car near a large hovering object that was encircled by a luminous ring. The witness and the three men then walked underneath the object and were hit by a beam of light. He suddenly found himself inside the object, sitting on a chair. Suddenly Handles appeared on the chair that secured his wrists and an iron bar pressed his forehead backwards while another gadget held his neck. The three men then appeared and suddenly seemed to shed their skin or bodies and transform themselves into green scaly reptilian-like creatures with heart-shaped heads. The beings interrogated the witness and spoke of upcoming global events. At one point a door in the room was opened and he was able to see human corpses hanging by their feet from hooks on the walls. Everything went blank after that and his next conscious memory was of standing next to a theater near his home. Over the holiday period, three days before New Year 2012, my girlfriends and I decided to explore Seattle's nightlife. I have lived in Seattle for the last five years but have not really investigated the city's nightlife, much to my girlfriend's annoyance. My girlfriends are fully aware of this fact and begrudgingly I went on the pub crawl. After hours of trudging through the cold night, and visiting many bars, we finally discovered a bar in Belltown which was located down an alleyway. I don't know the name of the bar, it was dark and I wasn't attentive at this point. This was our final destination and I was relieved. I was the designated driver and I had stopped drinking several hours earlier, so I wasn't feeling the euphoria that was shared by my girlfriends. In fact, I was miserable. I remember the entryway to the bar had two stone steps, I stubbed my toe on one of them as I ascended the stairs which is why I remember. The interior was dark, it was small, packed full of punters, and had a very sticky floor. We managed to push our way to the bar and ordered some drinks. We stood near the bar, the place was heaving. My girlfriends had already consumed the first lot of refreshments and they were drinking like a fish, so it was the best place for us to stand. I pushed my way to the bar a second time to get the girls more drinks. Whilst I was standing at the bar, I was flanked on the right by a group of men who were loud and crass, and to my left was a man probably six foot tall or so with dark short hair and wearing a grey t-shirt. I didn't pay much attention to anyone as my focus was to attract the bartender so I could order the drinks. The man on my left spoke to me but I couldn't decipher what I heard. I turned to look at his face and his stare was quite piercing. I noticed he had really dark eyes, but then he was backlit so part of his face was cast in shadow. He then touched my shoulder and said something. At first, I couldn't interpret what he was trying to say. There was too much noise, music blaring, punters talking and laughing, it just sounded like a roar, until he touched my shoulder and the noise just drifted away, similar to when one inserts earplugs to reduce noise. At first, I couldn't comprehend what happened. I think I was dazed for a minute or so, and then he started to speak again and I could hear him. He asked for my name and I provided my real name without thinking, then he asked who my friends were. The chit chat carried on for a couple of minutes and then he told me he was a vampire. I scoffed at the statement, and then he showed me his teeth. His teeth were nice actually, bright and shiny and he had slightly elongated canines. I didn't believe him, I thought the teeth were glued on and thought my girlfriends must have bribed him to poke fun at my skeptical nature. I asked him if he likes to roleplay as a vampire and became quite persistent in questioning. He was adamant he was a vampire and got frustrated so I asked him to prove it. He said he could bite me to prove it, but I rejected that idea. I am not naive to think blood disorders can't be passed on through a bite. He mentioned he knew where I was from, which I thought was easy since I have a British accent, where I work, and roughly where I live now. I was astounded when he clearly stated I was from the north of England, the northern coast, near Blackpool, actually, I was born in Preston, Lancashire, which is 15 minutes from Blackpool. He stated I worked for an aerospace company and that I lived 40 minutes south of Seattle. He mentioned that I was married, the married part was obvious, I had my wedding rings on, and then he stated that I had a little girl. At this revelation, I was truly nervous. I didn't believe he was a vampire, but a stalker. He knew too much about me. I wondered how he knew I had a little girl. I was actually panicking at this stage. I quickly walked away and pushed my way back to my friends. I didn't turn around to look at him and quickly told my friends what occurred. We left the bar within minutes. We had to walk a little and as we approached the car park, my friends noticed the vampire from the bar, standing next to a bus shelter. I quickly ushered my friends into the car park and got out of Seattle as fast as I could drive, hoping he didn't get a chance to see the license plate number. Over the next couple of weeks, I was questioned a multitude of times by my friends and have been asked to inspect every single aspect of that night. The night in question, I was cold stone sober so I know what I saw and heard. However, I am still dubious that he was a vampire, but I am not sure what he was. I was definitely astonished that he knew so much about me. I can't explain how he knew so much. I am essentially a foreigner in this country and don't have much information spread everywhere as most US citizens. It is hard to track me unless you have access to immigration databases. Anyway, this is my weird story, you can interpret this tale how you wish. I, on the other hand, have learned to be more careful about the places I visit in the future. Eva Trent had fallen asleep when she awoke to a buzzing sound. Opening her eyes she was horrified to find two strange creatures standing on either side of her bed. The entity to her right was about seven to eight feet tall, weighed about 300 pounds, had apparently no clothing, and seemed to have either crocodile or snake-type skin. The creature to her left was identical in appearance but smaller in height and weight. They seemed to be communicating in a chirping manner. Each of the entity's eyes glowed. Eva quickly discovered that she was unable to move. As she stared at the two creatures she found that either one or both were giving her instructions telepathically. The nature of this was seemingly for her to create mentally visual scenes of various kinds and then they proceeded to distort that particular pleasant scene in a perverse manner. Apparently. The creatures were intent not only to observe her emotional reaction but also possibly to feed off the energy that was produced. After a while, Eva began to mentally resist the mind manipulation and began to pray earnestly. A short time later she fell back to sleep. The next morning the witness found five of her music tapes grossly distorted as if extreme heat had been applied. However, no evidence of fire or odor was present. 32-year-old Maria was found barely alive, naked, and injured on a highway outside of St. Petersburg. She was taken to a hospital where it was found that she had numerous cuts, bruises, and other injuries. After an initial investigation, local militia came to the conclusion that she had been assaulted. There was a strange detail present. The lower part of her body was covered in an unknown substance resembling mucus or frog spawn. When she regained consciousness she reported that she had been staying with some friends at a country cottage when one day she decided to take a motorboat into the Bay of Finland. She wanted to look at an island, which had the ruins of a former Finnish glass plant abandoned in 1939. Suddenly a dense cloud covered the sky, she looked up and saw a huge disc-shaped craft. She felt paralyzed with fear and unable to move. As the huge flying saucer hovered over her she lost consciousness. She does not recall how long she had been unconscious but she woke up feeling terribly cold and fearful. She opened her eyes and found herself lying on a metallic table, completely naked. She was not tied and was able to move but soon noticed a bizarre creature leaning over her. The creature was lizard-like, with huge eyes. She saw many shiny instruments around her and three or four lights shone over her. Suddenly she felt the creature climb over her, touching her. She felt like screaming but her throat did not obey her. She felt everything but soon lost consciousness again. She regained consciousness in a hospital 200 kilometers away from where she had originally been. Her boat was found on an island. The mucus or mucilage-like substance proved difficult to wash away from her body.